Hello my friends, I'd like to today talk about the Mara Yost or Mithra Yost uh, from a suggestion from a friend on Facebook. Uh, so first let me say that there, there are two types of Yazatas uh, in the Zoroastrian system of belief. One is the Iranian and one is the Indo-Iranian. So for the Iranian ones, for, for example, we have uh, Galsharva, we have Tistria, um, Ma, the moon, we have uh, Horkshaita, which is the sun, or Korshid, um, um, Anahita, uh, Atar, or Adar, or Azar, Shrosh, and there's more. But for the... Um, there are also, on the other side of the Indo-Iranian, those are the ones that are either shared with the, um, the Vedic Indians and in the system of Hinduism, but also going further back um, to where there is a common uh, historical link of these gods with both the Iranians and the Indians. So we'll start with that. Uh, Mithra, or Mer, or Mir for the Pahlavi, is an Indo-Iranian Yazada. Um, the meaning of the word is often said friendship or contract. Of course, I think they have a common mutual uh, meaning anyway, but uh, he is the guardian protector of the pastures, uh, of the truth, and so he's connected with Atar. Uh, he is the uh, personification of the light and the protector of all creatures. He's the light behind the light of the sun, as has been said. So the role and function of Mithra would be um, he listens to the appeals of his worshipers, um, causes waters to flow, rules over districts, and supervises contracts. Uh, it says in the uh, Miryash that um, uh, someone who governs a country or governs a city or governs a province governs an area even the man who governs his household if he makes a contract and he keeps that promise then he is blessed with um, copious herds of cattle and of, uh, with sons and with uh, strength with blessings with financial stability and those things on the contrary those who um, are called Mithradruj or those who break the contract or promise or oath, then those are the people who uh, will um, experience hardship, will experience uh, infertility, barrenness, um, barrenness in their uh, workplace, uh, things like that. And so all the way back to the Indo-Iranian, we can see that where Mitra and Varuna uh, were paired, uh, Mitra was the enforcer of contracts because he's the principal of the contract or the uh, abstract notion of contract has been deified and then Varuna which later in the Mazdan becomes Ahura um, uh, Mazda Mitra becomes I mean uh, uh, Varuna becomes Ahura in a sense it takes the place of uh, Varuna and so a Varuna meant like an oath where um, um, a Mitra or Mitra meant a contract. And so one was the upholder of the contract and the other was uh, you have Indra who was the punisher of those uh, 
people who, those mythodurgists, those people who broke the contract. And of course, in the ancient Indo-European societies, they didn't have government and polices in order to maintain the, you know, the force of order. And But the social cohesion, the stability that the, the whole thing uh, counted on had to do with contracts. Those, these were, these were pacts or oaths that one person had with another or one person had with this country or one country had with another country or one man had with his God and his God had with him. And so the whole of the, the legal system orbited around the pact and the oath or the contract, the Mithra. So pacts had more than just a, a, a temporal importance for uh, uh, like legal importance. Uh, but since the proper observance of the pact or the contract was for means of upholding that cosmic order, if there was a failure to do so, it would lead to chaos because the contract kept the order. So a person gave his word and he kept the word. He made a deal and he kept his word. He kept that contract. And when those things fall down, the social order, the fabric of that, that society breaks down and leads to chaos. So we can see even as far back as the Indo-Iranian, it's, it was extremely important because it was the governing of the society was based on that, on that mitra, on that oath. And so one, one type of pact for the Proto-Indo-Europeans was the Mithra, which was uh, between two parties. And the other, the Varuna, was an individual oath. Um, uh, and of course, the, both of these became um, subsumed under... Uh, they were they were abstracted into what we now have as yazadas. So it's it's interesting because uh, we, anybody who hears the word Mithra or Mithras is instantly um, familiar with the Roman version of uh, Mithraism, which of course that's that is it's not the same thing. But they did. Um, incorporate the the deity, the Yazata Mithra, uh, and of course their their language is different, so Mithra becomes Mithras, and uh, and they they changed and incorporated Roman worship in order to facilitate that blending or that um, appropriation of that cultural uh, idea of Mithra, and so you see them having Mithraim and where they would worship underground. Uh, and there were pluses as well. I mean, you had kings and warriors and peasants and servants and slaves all kneeling beside one another in the worship of Mithra. And so it kind of leveled the, the societal playing field there. Um, and if, if we think about it in that way, it was, a, it was a true brotherhood because it took, it put all men equal footing, but it also put all men in a contract one with the other. And it put all those same men in contract with divinity. And so I think that's pretty significant. Now, before I go further, I want to say that I'm not a Mithraist. And uh, I'm more of a uh, um, Zoroastrian who follows more specifically and almost exclusively the Gathas for my spiritual practice and for my spiritual text. And so these Yazatas are um, brought in at a later date the Indo-Iranian are, and so you have um, where you have Zarathustra coming in and renovating and reforming 
and uh, simmering all of those things down into a more concentrated um, use of those spiritual technologies so that you have abstract notions instead of these specific uh, divinities such as the um, the devas or the deves in uh, Hinduism. So what we see there is a pulling away from the worship of all the different hundreds and thousands of um, entities or divinities. And Zarathustra brings it down to about seven. Now there's other um, there's some, there, there, there's the idea, the thought that Mithra is hidden in the Gothas, even though he's not specifically talked about uh, in the idea of the contract and laws about contract, uh, just like Halma is mentioned in there cryptically through word association. But these aren't deities that are um, uh, praised and worshipped in the Gothas. And so I have to say that before I go further. But So Mithra, the uh, attributes of Mithra is that he is the strongest of the gods. He's the most sturdy, the most active, the swiftest. Uh, and because of that, he's, you know, uh, he's associated with fire, uh, the most victorious and so forth. So that way he's, you see that he's attributed to another Yazata, which is Rathragna. He's full of knowledge, so he's attributed to um, a connection with uh, Spintamanu. Uh, he's ever watchfully sleepless, but he's merciful, yet he's a worship a warrior with sharp spears. And these are all um, things that are attributed to him specifically, and yet those also connect him with the other um, Yazakas, some Indo-Iranian and some uh, Iranian. So the cult of the Yazatas is something that creeps back into um, Gothic Zoroastrianism because where they were de uh, done away with in a sense because the names were taken away and only the abstract notions of these things were uh, set to be um, as part of God and part of humanity as shared uh, with them by God. And so they creep back in a later date after the death of Zarathustra and as the priests take over the religion and they uh, complicate it, they uh, conflate it with other ideas. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I'm just saying that's what it is. Historically, it, it happened that way. So, uh, I, th I think there's a significance with the numerology of Mithra. He is the, uh, his month is the seventh month and his day in, that and, in every month uh, is the 16th day and of course 1 plus 6 is 7 so you have a duplicity I mean you have a duality or a uh, a twice given 7 there and so we might even say that the number of Mithra is 5 because 14 is a 1 plus 4 and that's 5 so that's something to consider uh, so as I was reading through and studying the Maryasht I come across some uh, really interesting tidbits so we spoke uh, one time um, about uh, that uh, about how the Yazatas especially in the Yasts which is of course like I said is post uh, Zarathustra uh, they were they are considered Yazata meaning worthy of worship and so they're considered to be um, 
as worthy of worship as Ahura Mazda, and yet not ever worship over Ahura Mazda. But in the Miryash, the very first uh, verse is, Ahura Mazda spoke unto Spatamatharsusha, saying, Verily, when I created Mithra, the lord of wide pastures, O Spatama, I created him as worthy of sacrifice, as worthy of prayer, as myself, Ahura Mazda. So, here he's saying, that this is Ahura Mazda speaking to Zarathustra, telling him to worship Mithra. Which, you know, I, I believe he's saying to to maintain the contract, to keep, to to see the contract and the oath that you give and the pact as binding and holy and sacred. But the, the words, uh, the, the English translation of it is that Mithra is as worthy of sacrifice and as worthy of prayer as myself, Ahura Mazda. So that's, that's interesting. So we can see why uh, he, there was an importance for Mitra in the, um, in the Vedic uh, faith. And we can see why when it was uh, incorporated in the Roman tradition that they uh, created a whole religion around him because so strong is the idea of uh, uh, a man you know, holding to his word and it, because a brotherhood is created by men who hold to their word. You can't, you can't have a, uh, a fraternity or for that matter a sorority where um, the ideas, the secrecies, the um, bonding experiences aren't uh, held in confidence and, and contract one with the other and in friendship. Those are the things that are um, most characteristic of societies today, especially those um, societies within societies, like secret societies, fraternal uh, lodges and things like that, which incidentally, those most of those do come from the Roman uh, style of Mithra worship. So the second verse goes, the, the ruffian who lies unto Mithra brings death unto the whole country, injuring as much the faithful world as a hundred evildoers could do. Break not the contract, Ospatama, neither the one that thou hast entered into with one of the unfaithful, nor the one that thou hast entered into with one of the faithful who is one of thine own faith. For Mithra stands for both the faithful and the unfaithful. So, we see here a clear departure from the Gathas, where it says that... Um, that do not help, do not associate with uh, anyone who is unfaithful, who is not faithful to the specific faith of Zarathustra as he lays down as being received from Ahura Mazda for the world through his prophethood. So Mithra says stands for the faithful and the unfaithful, but I think there they're talking about just in contract. So. It doesn't matter, according to the Miryash, it doesn't matter who you've made a contract with, whether that's a scoundrel or um, someone of not your faith, or whether it's your brother or your father. You hold that contract. Even if they are unfaithful to it, you still uphold your end. Now, we can see the um, Parsi non-conversion contract made with the uh, Indian king. We can see the... Iranian non-conversion ideas and contract that was 
forced upon them by the um, Islamists or the um, parties of um, uh, Muhammad. And so we know that they are contract bound, they're Mithra bound. And so to break those, they would be considered Mithra Druze. And uh, that is, it's not acceptable. However, we also know that a contract can be nullified if both parties agree to it because then they're making another contract. They're, they're oath bound. If they say that we are now abolishing the contract one with the other, then they're making a new agreement. That covenant is that they are no longer bound. So when it comes to a non-conversion argument, both of those things had to be taken into, into an account for the, um, for the Parsis and the Iranians. Uh, skip down to verse 5. It says, He may come to us, Mithra, uh, may come to us for help, for ease, for joy, for mercy, for health, for victory, for good conscience, and for bliss. Now, these things all have, I think, something to do with contract as well. Um, when you enter into a contract or an agreement, you're doing so for the help of one or the other or for both. These both make it easy. If you're if you're contracting in a job, um, then you have one person who knows um, how to who is a specialist in this field, and I am not. I make a contract with him, uh, and he helps me. It's the e for ease of that to facilitate that ease. Uh, joy, of course, you know people who hold their contract are going to be more joyful, uh, merciful uh, for health. He may come for victory. Um, when two countries come together to fight a, a, um, a mutual foe, then there is victory um, assumed at the outset. Good conscience, of course, is kept by keeping your word and for bliss. So that's pretty interesting, too. Now, uh, I, I haven't, like I said, I've always been a Gothic um, Zoroastrian, Gothic Zoroastrian, so I don't, I haven't. Um, I haven't studied much on the different yashts except, you know, at, at cursory glances or for specific research for things. And that's what I've done here today, too. I haven't, um, I haven't spent a great deal of time on it, but I did come through and uh, see the things that stand out to me. And so um, I want to read from uh, chapter 11, verse 48. And with Mithra drives along toward the Havocking hosts in battle toward the enemies coming in battle array in the strife of the conflicting nations and he binds the hands of those who have lied unto Mithra. He confounds their eyesight. He takes the hearing from their ears. They can no longer move their feet. They can no longer withstand those people, those foes, when Mithra, the lord of wide pastures, bears them ill will. Now, I have to stop there because as a Zoroastrian, I can understand that Ahura Mazda is an all-good God. Ahura Mazda is not a deva. Um, he's not characterized by violence or wrath or punishment. Uh, the only punishment for Zoroastrian is self-imposed, self-inflicted, uh, because those obstacles that have caused him to uh, react in positive or negative ways are his own responsibilities, the effects of those are his own responsibilities. Those are not God's responsibilities to punish. And so when when it's time to account for one's virtues, 
and one's vices at the bridge of the sorting, then we each have for ourselves the desire to cleanse ourselves so that we can uh, more quickly come into the presence of God who cannot sin, who cannot uh, have truck with sin or anger or punishment or wrath. So these things we do for ourselves. And so when we read in the Yasts that uh, Mithra is a punisher, we also read that he is a judge at the gate, at the, at the bridge. But it is not on him to punish, in my opinion, not in the, in the Gathic Zoroastrian opinion. Uh, this would be for um, maybe a more liberal mindset. Uh, but when I see that, I'm instantly um, kind of taken aback because Mithra Ahura is often a, a contraction, a, a compound word that um, that denotes the power of Ahura Mazda uh, and with the trinity of Ahura Mazda, Mithra, and Anahita. And I can understand that because most Indo-European um, religions have those those triplicities, tripartite kind of powers. But when uh, Anahita blesses with purity, and Ahura Mazda blesses with uh, the gift of consciousness and wisdom, uh, and for me, Mithra blesses with light and and joy. And bliss of keeping the contract and keeping your word it gives us societal peace and order to keep us from falling into the decay of chaos um, and so when I read that he punishes that he that he takes off the head of those who I, I just I don't I don't know how to react to that I, I do think that um, that uh, those who keep their contracts and when they do have conflict with other nations then uh, sometimes war is necessary to maintain peace and sometimes that means um, severity on the battlefield and violence and and so I understand that part uh, and I understand uh, where Thragna's position in that where he is the overcomer of those types of obstacles but if we go to Chapter 29, we see something even more extreme. No, that wasn't 29. It was right here. Yeah, it was 30. It says, and I'm just going to read all of 30. We sacrifice unto Mithra, the lord of the wide pastures, sleepless and ever awake. Offer up a sacrifice unto Mithra, Ospatama, and order thy pupils to do the same. Let the worship of Mazda sacrifice unto thee with small cattle with black cattle, with flying birds gliding forward on wings. To Mithra, all the faithful worshippers of Mazda must give strength and energy with offered and proffered halmas, which the Zaltar or Zotar proffers unto him and gives in sacrifice. Let the faithful man drink of the libations cleanly prepared, which if he does, if he offers them unto Mithra, the lord of wide pastures, Mithra will be pleased with him and without anger. So let me stop right there. So, I believe that Zarathustra cleansed the religion of devas. And devas uh, were those who I think he probably saw that were over-sacrificed to. Uh, 
And so, and like we've talked about before on here, um, if you were sacrificing to Ganesh, who maybe was the god of good luck and good fortune uh, and prosperity, then, you know, he saw that you weren't really worshiping a god of good luck and good fortune and prosperity, but you were appeasing and propitiating a deity of uh, bad luck and misfortune and poverty. And so I can only see that here where it says that Mithra will be pleased with him and without anger because uh, an, an all-good God is Ahura Mazda. And Ahura Mazda says that he is, that Mithra in this uh, text says that Mithra is as worthy of worship as Ahura Mazda. Well, Ahura Mazda is worthy of worship in that way because he is good and uh, he is without anger. He's, he doesn't have David qualities. And so I'm only left to wonder if Mithra was one of the cleansed or purified elements of the pre-Zarathustran religion that he did away with. Because it goes on to say in the next verse, or in 122, that Ahura Mazda answered, Let them wash their bodies three days and three nights. Let them undergo thirty strokes for the sacrifice and prayer unto Mithra, the Lord of Wide Pastures. Let them wash their bodies two days and two nights. Let them undergo twenty strokes for the sacrifice and prayer unto Mithra. And that, to me, is not Zoroastrianism. Because it is anathema to hurt the body, to bring pain upon yourself because it is excessive. That uh, we we generally leave those things to other religions because we're uh, Ushta is the law. Ushta is it was present in the first moment of creation when the, when when Osman uh, the sky was created, when uh, Kshatriya was created, joy was was present, and this is uh, bodily mortification. This is something that is akin to fasting. And, and and eating disorders and 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 cuttings, you know what I mean. So this is something that is not uh, generally associated with Zoroastrianism, and so I have to wonder if Mithraism is a far step back from the law of Mazda. And I would like I would like some some commentary on that, some some opinions on that. And maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, I would like to be corrected here. Uh, but I, w I will finish it with this right here, and, and this is this is important because this to me is is worthy to be read. This is chapter twenty nine. We sacrifice unto Mithra, the Lord of Wide Pastures, sleepless and ever awake. O Mithra, Lord of Wide Pastures, thou master of the house, of the borough, of the town, of the country, thou Zarathustra Mithra is twentyfold between two friends or two relations. Mithra is thirtyfold between two men of the same group. Mithra is fortyfold between two partners. Mithra is fiftyfold between wife and husband. Mithra is sixtyfold between two pupils of the same master. Mithra is seventyfold between the pupil and his master. Mithra is eightyfold between the son in law and his father in law. Mithra is ninetyfold between two brothers. Mithra is a hundredfold between the father and the son.
Mithra is a thousandfold between two nations. And Mithra is ten thousandfold when connected with the law of Mazda. And then he will be every day of victorious strength. That's a good ending note. I believe that that, if we disregard everything except for that and that Yasht, it is it would be perfectly said, in my opinion. So, between brothers, between Zarathustrians, between Mazayaznia, the Baydin, Humdeens, between my brothers and my sisters in the religion, we have... We are contract bound one to the other. We are oath bound. And so the points I've made here, if I'm wrong, you are oath bound to correct me. And if I'm right, you are oath bound to agree. So let us start there. Let us begin by um, starting a conversation about this. Because I'm glad that I was asked to do this, this subject on the podcast. I would ask you all to have a good day and bid happiness to you. Ustate.